0: And the first point he makes, three points. The first point he makes, the Holy Spirit enables us to fulfill the law of love. Look at verse 13. The Holy Spirit enables us to fulfill the law of love. For brethren, you've been called unto what? Liberty. But don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in this one word. We saw it last week. What is it? All the law is fulfilled in one word. What is it? Love. Love Love thy neighbor as thyself, in fact. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Human nature is prone to extremes. You see it in these verses. One might say all you need is love. Of course, until your way of life intersects with my way of life, and now all hell breaks loose, right? We bite and devour one another, because I don't like what you're doing. But all we need is just to do what I say. Others spend their life writing and rewriting rules. But what, do, what happens when we write legislation? I'm not just talking about political legislation, but we just start writing rules. What always ends up happening when we write and rewrite rules? It's something called unintended consequences of writing and rewriting laws. And that's what he says in verse 13 is the occasion for the flesh because you put up a sign and people are going to cross it. To keep us from either extreme, Paul introduces this law of love, and it comes by way of our calling in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, we are called unto what? Liberty. Liberty. The liberty of grace is a freedom from the penalty and power of sin. It is not a liberty and freedom to do whatever you please. Liberty from the threat of condemnation, because Christ bore my curse of sin on the cross. It is a calling away from sin unto liberty, but still there remains a caution. You see it, verse 13, the middle. Only don't use this liberty as occasion for what? Don't use this liberty as an occasion for what? For your flesh. That is to do as you please. That's an indulgence for the flesh. This is the foolish rationale that suggests, and you may have heard this from folks, it's easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. You've never heard that, huh? Well, some of you have. It's easier to get Forgiveness than it is, I can always come back to you. It's sort of that political way of doing things. Well, you know, if I've offended anybody along the way, I'm really super sorry about that. Really? I mean, is that really genuine? Paul's not saying this won't happen. But it can only happen if you misappropriate, you don't understand the grace of God. Jude chapter 4. No, Jude verse 4. There's only one chapter. Jude verse 4, in my own words, you can look it up if you like, but he describes them as creepy old men who twist the grace of God into an excuse for immoral behavior. And then they write a book, and then people buy it. Why? Because it makes us feel better about my own sorry condition, if I can see how others have failed. Our calling is to a better life. Don't fall back in the old habits, but by contrast or even command, the end of verse 13, what does he tell us to do? By contrast or command, what does he tell us to do? Serve one another. Serve one another. Everything I've ever enjoyed doing with family and friends is because of one thing. What is that one thing? Is because somebody told me I had to? Is because my wife nagged me about it? Is because somebody guilted me into it? Everything I've ever enjoyed with family and friends is because of one thing. What is that? I love them. I love them. Everything we ever do that pleases God is for one reason, and that is because we love Him. And we love Him because, what? He first loved us. Law by itself sucks the joy out of everything I do, and we only end up doing the things I didn't want to do in the first place. Love, on the other hand, adds joy to everything, and we end up way more fulfilled, constrained, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, constrained by only one thing. There's only one thing that compels me, constrains me. What is it? Love. There's only one thing that constrains me, compels, compels me to do the thing that glorifies God, and that is love. And with that, Paul adds a little troubling concern. Verse 15, you see it related to every war and rumor of war you've ever heard. What is it that happens? You bite, you devour, you take heed that you don't be cons- Until you can solve the problem of living together, just getting along. Until you can solve that one issue of getting along with one another, it'll make it impossible to live life to the glory of God. It's true among nations. It's true among neighbors. It's true in families. As J. Vern McGee concluded, selfishness in the end does not exalt a man. You see it in verse 15. It only destroys a man. Selfishness will always eat you alive. It'll devour you. Every law ever made was because someone did something to somebody, right? Every law ever made was because somebody did something to somebody and we couldn't get along, so let's make a rule about it. Law gives you an excuse to respond without love. How is that? Because by law, I can look at what you did. And I can define what you did. And I can define what is my, my legal obligation to you as a result, or your obligation to me. And I can write it out, I can have it, nice neat package, case closed. Right? And I move on. On the other hand, love never gives you an excuse to not respond. Here's what Christ did. Here is my obligation case made for the love of god well the holy spirit enables us to fulfill the law of love the holy spirit also enables us to overcome the flesh let's go on to verse 16 this i say then walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the law of the flesh and that sounds or the lust of the flesh sounds pretty cut and dry and it actually is it's a little more complicated we'll come to it but it's pretty cut and dry if you do this this right you walk in the spirit you won't be walking in the flesh For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against, capital S, the Spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary, the one to the other, so that you can't do the things that you would. Now, this phrase is very misunderstood. I'll come back to it. So that you cannot do the thing. We sort of look at as a preference. I want to do the right thing, but I end up, well, we'll come back to it. But if you be led of the Spirit, then you're not, you're no longer under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Do I really have to describe these for you? We'll hit them quickly later on with just kind of, Grouping them together. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drugs, I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things, there, there, are, there are people that live their life in this way. They are not Christians struggling with the flesh. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he gives the fruit of the Spirit. I'll just add one other verse, 24. And they that are Christ have crucified, what? All those things. All those things that are there described, they have been crucified with the flesh and the affections and the lust. Well, first of all, what is the flesh? What is the flesh? We think of the flesh, we always think of something bad and evil. Same with lust, we'll look at that. The human body is not the problem. The human body's not the problem. Now, until it's time to go to the gym, (laughs) then then the human body's a problem, right? But the human body's not the problem. That's nothing more than an instrument. Romans 6, an instrument. And you can use an instrument for whatever purpose you want. You can play an instrument in church. You can play an instrument at the bar. You can play play an instrument. But you get the point. It's just an instrument. And you can play it in all sorts of ways and for all kinds of purposes. That's all the body is. By the Holy Spirit... We walk in a way that is pleasing to God. By the devil, if we say, hey, devil, you can have it. You take this instrument, use it the way you want. By the devil, then, and we walk in a way that is pleasing to him. The conflict is not simply a matter of more rules, working harder, greater faith. This conflict is actually much more significant. And I want you to read again that word lust. You see the word lust. The word lust, when you hear the word lust, lust. That sounds like an evil, icky word, doesn't it? Right? Lust. Oh, terrible. And all kinds of terrible things come to your mind, perhaps. But did you know it's not, it's not an evil word? Lust. It's, a, it's, an amor, it's an amoral word. So if you, for example, if you're, if you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're a philanthropist, if you're a whatever, and something that you really super enjoy doing, and you love giving yourself to that, It's the word lust. That's all it is. It's just something that you love to do. It just kind of takes over. It absorbs you. Many satisfying desires, lusts, are not immoral of themselves. But what can they be? They can be a distraction from serving God. So it cuts both ways. So you take something that's not by itself immoral. Now there are things that can be lustful, that can be immoral, But take this idea that there can be all kinds of things in our life that can take over and rule us. The love of money, is money evil? No, but that sort of that love of it, we read it in Sunday school this morning, that takes over, now we have a lust that begins to take us away in directions that we should not go. Living by the law, you might say, well, you didn't lie, cheat, or steal today. You feel pretty good about yourself? (laughs) Okay, but guess what? Did you spend now? This is where this is where preaching gets meddling, and then we start writing rules, and it gets off track in the in the other direction. But did you know we say, "Well, I didn't lie, cheat, or steal." But did you spend you know too much time? I don't know what it is. I'm just going to throw something in there. Did you spend too much time watching television? And you and as a result, you didn't read your Bible. Now see. That's where it gets really weird and we start writing rules and we, we get off in legalism in the other direction because then we say, well, let's, let's take a baseball bat and hit our television, which I feel like doing some days, right? But, you know, but, you know that's not going to answer the question, is it? No, that's, We don't want to just discard that because the television by itself is not evil. We don't want to go off in the other extreme. But living by the law, yes, you didn't lie, cheat, or steal. Think about the things that have begun to distract in your life from doing the things that you know God wants you to do. And so you read the end of verse 17, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now when we read that, we often read it in a way that suggests a preference, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so we think that I want to please God, but now... All these other influences have distracted me from serving God. You cannot do the things that you would. But let's read the phrase again in the context of Paul's defense for grace and the fact that you cannot now simply do whatever you want. That's the essence of this phrase. Because of grace, not law. But because of grace, I cannot now just do whatever I want. Before grace, you could basically live any way you wanted, in a way that made you happy and didn't offend too many people. You kept most of the laws and you lived lived a pretty good life. By law, you felt pretty good against the list of most things that people were doing wrong. But after grace, after grace came, I am now more constrained than the law could ever do. To live in a way that is pleasing to God no longer in any way that I want to live, but in a way that is pleasing to God. And that's what sets us on our journey, a thing I call a quest, because it is at this point, some may say, well, if it's not about a list of sins and I can't check them off, then how do I know if I'm ever walking by the Spirit or not? How do I know? Because it's easy. When I've got a list of things, ten things, if i got a list of ten things, well, I say I didn't kill anybody today. I didn't lie today. I didn't cheat today. I could check off most on any given day, and I feel pretty good about it. So, if it's not that, verse 18 tells us we're to be what? Led by the Spirit. The word led implies a willingness to follow, and here's where the will of man comes into play. Did you know the devil's a defeated enemy? Did you know that? Do you believe that? The devil's a defeated enemy, and Jesus has conquered everything the devil set out to do. The problem is when we're not willing. and We resurrect the old nature, and we give the devil a fighting chance. And then Paul gives a list of things that you're probably not struggling with, but he gives them there. But he says, all these things have been crucified. You read them. All the things crucified, he says, verse 24, put to death on the cross. These things, the end of verse 21, simply cannot be true of the Christian. These things true of your life? Are you a hothead and can't control your temper and that's just the way you are? Oh, don't tell me then you're a child of God. Read the verse. Read them. That's just the way you live and you can't, well, that's just, you can't do anything about it. It's just the way I, you have to accept it. Really? You're not a child of God. I don't have to, now listen to me. I don't have to work at not allowing these things in my life. I don't have to work at it. They're crucified. If you're saved by grace, what you have to do is choose to do them. If I want to express my anger, I'm choosing to express my anger. I've been free from that. I've been delivered from that. And every time I go back into it, what am I doing? I'm expressing the old nature. I'm giving voice to the devil. You see them there. I'm not going to review them all, right? But sensual, I'm going to put them in three categories. Let's call one of them sensual sins. Sensual sins, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Uncleanness has to do with the mind. Like we would call them dirty-minded. That's what he is. Lasciviousness, drunkenness, revelings. How about superstitious sins? Idolatry. Idolatry is really anything that's put before God. How about witchcraft? That's mind control. It's actually a pharmaceutical term. Those uh, psycho, what do we used to call them, psychedelic drugs? Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's about mind control. How about social sins? Hatred, variance, emulations, jealousy, wrath, that's fits of rage. Strife, seditions, that's a person who's divisive, always dividing. Heresies, envyings, murder. Well, you're not a murderer. My dear friend, though, if you are controlled by any of these things, you do not have the Holy Spirit and you will not be in the kingdom of God. Whatever you have received, it's not the grace of God. And whatever you have in you, if it's these things, it's not the Holy Spirit. And so in complete contrast, in complete contrast, the Spirit enables us to produce fruit. Verse 22. But in complete contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, What a terrific trilogy. I mean, we could just camp on that all day long. We won't. (laughs) Isn't that a terrific trilogy? If if somebody could say of you that these three things are true, love, joy, peace, man, that'd be pretty great. Well, let's go on. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of what? Vainglory, provoking one another. The struggle is not against something. That's the thinking of the law. That's settled at the crucifixion. The struggle is in favor of something. That's the grace of God. If you're still living your life in the negative, what you don't do, where you won't go, what I can't enjoy, and all the negatives begin to spill out, then you don't understand the grace of God. By the way, modern Christianity has sort of got all bass backwards. I mean, they've, they've gone to the total other extreme. So they conclude, if I'm free, then there's nothing I can't do. Well, that's just Silly. Right? That's just absolutely silly to say it that way. The contrast could not be clearer. Christian liberty is what I no longer have to work at. That's what I'm free from. I, don't, I no longer have to work at these things, what I can enjoy now. The focus is not works, but this concept of fruit. 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 Now think of everything you can think of when you think of fruit. And that's what the Spirit does in our life. Works are dead, fruit is living. The one anyone can produce, I can make it, I can make it look like it, I can shine it up, but you can't make fruit, right? You produce it, and that's by life, and that's by the Holy Spirit. Much of Christianity today is still by works, like fake fruit on Grandma's table. It might look pretty good in a selfie in the background, but it, it ain't going to feed anybody, right? Right? You know that to be true. On the positive side, well, what are the characteristics? What are they? Paul gave a list of nine things. Again, we can just divide them up into three things, three categories, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. So we can, nine things, three categories, three in each one, and Paul says, against such there is no law, which is the flip side of saying no law could produce these things. Remember, the law at best can only ever keep you away from things. Can't produce this. These things are simply expected. The characteristic of every child will get like fruit that hangs on a tree. It should not be any surprise that if you have an apple tree and you plant an apple tree in your yard, that you're going to get what? Somebody say applesauce? Yeah, apples. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, applesauce. that's a whole other conversation there. But yeah, you're going to get apples. In fact, if you don't get apples, what's going to be, how are you going to feel about that tree? Well, that's a waste of a plant, right? That's a waste of a tree. It's a waste of space. It should not be, in fact, it should be the expected thing. And that's what Paul is saying. That if you're a child of God, I ought to be able to expect this to be true in your life it shouldn't be a surprise it shouldn't be so hard it should simply be the natural thing that happens as a result of the holy spirit in you and it should be no surprise what's at the top of the list that paul gives us what verse 22 what's the top of the list what's the first thing he gives us love we're back to that again in fact some people suggest that these nine things are simply the outgrowth of love But what a beautiful trilogy to describe the child of God. Love, joy, peace, each growing. If you have love, right, then joy comes from that. And from joy, you have peace that passes all understanding. All these things directed toward God, almost irregardless of the circumstance. The next three seem to be directed toward one another. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Right? That's how we interact with people. I ought to expect that from you. I should not. I should not have to put up with your anger. I should not have to put up with your resentment, your natural response. Now, when I say natural, that's because of the Holy Spirit. I ought to expect long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. These are certainly love in action. And the last three, these are inward characteristics. So we ought We have the first three that are directed toward God, the second three directed toward one another, and then the last three are simply the internal characteristics of a quiet strength that comes in the circumstances of life. Faith, meekness, temperance. The law can never produce these things. Can you imagine any law that can produce love? Is there a law that can make you love somebody? Can't do it. Is there a law that can make you more patient? Can't do it. Is there a law that could increase your faith? No, can't do it. The law always ends up, verse 26, with what? Vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. But just like with natural fruit, we have to cultivate it, right? You got to cultivate it, you got to work at it some. It's as simple as walking. You see it there in verse 25 live in the Spirit. Let us also, what? Walk in the Spirit. Different word than was used back up in verse 16. It's translated the same walking, but walk. This is a very fundamental thing. If you use this word, this is the word that takes you back to when you learned to walk. When you learned to walk, did you read a textbook? Am I taking you back too far to remember? There were no cameras then, were there? No, I'm sorry. But (laughs) it takes you all the way back to when you learned to walk. Did you read a textbook? Did you listen to a lecture? Did you take a class on it? How did you learn to walk? You just watched some people, right? You just had this desire to do it. Maybe you held somebody's hand. But it just was one foot in front of another. Did you ever fall? Absolutely. You weren't perfect, were you? You just one foot in front of another, and then you fell. And then, then one foot, and then suddenly you let go of the hand. And you started to walk on your own. Before you know it, you were running, right? Now, when you get up out of your pew, unless the knees are hurting you or something else is going on with your life, when you get up, you just get up, right? You just walk. It's just just second nature to you. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, along the way, you failed. You stumbled. You watched people. How did they respond? You listened. There's no lecture. There's no magic bullet for it. This is just something you learn to do by putting one step in front of another, in front of another. And then before you know it, it's second nature to you. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Well, instinctively, you know what the loving response should be in any given circumstance. Immediately, you know You should probably just bite your tongue and not say what you're thinking. Without missing a beat, you know to let patience have its perfect work. The old nature was crucified. The old nature was crucified. You have to choose to resurrect that old nature and to respond in like fashion to the way you've been treated. Don't tell me that, well, you know, I just couldn't help myself. No, you have chosen, you have now chosen to go back into the old nature, resurrect this attitude, and let them have a peace of your mind. You didn't just stumble into it. You brought it back from the dead. And you gave the devil his way. Well, the root of this new nature is in you by the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't need to choose to do it so much as you need to cultivate the spirit the fruit of the spirit if you're still playing whack-a-mole with your latest failure are you playing whack-a-mole like like i gotta keep that sin down and you're still if that's where you're living i'm not sure this sounds really terrible right read the verse are you a child of god you got to ask yourself if you're still you can't you are still trying to defeat the old nature right that's been crucified. That's what grace is all about. You've been delivered from all of that. And here's what ought to be true in your life. And if you can't see these things developing, if you're still just as angry, if you're still just as you know, resentful, if those reactions still come out of you all the time, you've got to go back and ask yourself, have I ever accepted Jesus Christ? Has the grace of God ever been given a chance? Has the Holy Spirit ever taken root in my life? I'm not perfect. I fail. Yes. But the natural working of the Holy Spirit produces fruit. For those who are the child of God, by this new birth, the most often asked question I get along the way is, how do I know if I'm in the will of God? There's no magic. You're not going to wake up one day and say, oh, look there's the fruit of patience hanging on my tree of life. I'm going to be patient today. No, it's by being challenged. And you, and you backed off a little bit, you know, you kind of, you realize that that's not who I am anymore. You just kind of backed off a little bit. And then another other circumstances challenging you again, and, and you just put one foot in front of the next foot. Do the next thing you know you ought to do. That's how you know if you're in the will of God. It's not a magic trick. You want to know if you're in the will of God? What's the next thing you face? Put one step in front of another. And before long, you realize you're walking in the Spirit, in the will of God.